Hello and welcome to the Cowboy Jesus Podcast. It is great to come to you today. I have been out on sabbatical out for the past three months, but I am back and I've been excited to do the Cowboy Jesus Podcast. This is Steve Poots Benson, the host of the podcast. So with this episode, we begin a whole new season of Cowboy Jesus. I've got a lot of exciting things lined up for us to do. We've got some conversations that'll just be me talking with you. But I'm going to also be hosting some really interesting interviews, everything from a medical assistant dying to a Damien Mulvaney talking about what it means to be a screenplay to uh, people talking about what it means to be stubbornly young, health, mental health issues, a lot of stuff going on that we can be talking about. So all this is going to be coming out probably every other week or every third week for you to listen to the Cowboy Jesus podcast. All right, today, you know, I want to talk about uh, something I read this past Summer. One of the things that I was able to do on sabbatical is that every day I read some scripture, and I do that every day anyways, but during the sabbatical, I gave myself a lot of time, and I was able to read huge swaths of scripture. I read the New Testament. I always was cycling around in the Gospels over and over and over again. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And as as I was reading, I was kind of getting in the rhythm of these stories about the life of Jesus. And you just kind of unhook from them as being scripture passage and holy writ. And you just kind of, I just kind of got in the groove of them being stories about Jesus' life and that what these stories are supposed to mean to us. And there was, there's just a few lines in some of them that when I read it, it just like stopped me in my tracks. And I started thinking about it. And I want to talk about one of those passages today that came uh, comes from Mark's Gospel, the first chapter. But kind of as a setup to that passage, there's a, a question that the passage bids me to ask. I've been asking myself this. I'm going to be preaching on this this coming Sunday. And I want to ask you, and, and the, the, here's the question. Are you doing what you're supposed to be doing? I mean, think about that. Are you doing what you're supposed to be doing with your life? I mean, where you live, how you eat, the car you drive, the job you do, how you make money, how you spend your pastime, what you watch on TV, the music that you listen to, the media that you consume, the social media that you participate in, all these different things, are they a reflection of what you're supposed to be doing? Because if you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, you know what? You're going to be really unhappy. You're going to be dissatisfied. You're going to be frustrated. There's going to be something inside you that says, this is wrong. Life has got to be more than all of this. And that's why you need to pay attention to what you're supposed to be doing. Now, think about this. This is one of the things I love. I wrote about this in my book, Sent to Soar. Uh, It's a great read, by the way. You should pick it up. Um, In the... When you ask the question what you're supposed to be doing, it goes back to the notion of, well, then who planted the idea of supposed to? If you're supposed to be doing something, where did that supposed to come from? 
See, I like to believe that that's supposed to has a divine origin, a divine intention, that God is the one who said to you, you know what, you're really supposed to be doing this with your life. I want you to spend your time doing this. I want you to make your money doing this. I want you to form your relationships around doing this. That's what you're supposed to be doing, and your job in life is to discover what it is that you're supposed to be doing. And that's what grabs me from this passage from Mark's gospel about where Jesus discovered what it was that he was supposed to be doing. Now, Mark's gospel is an interesting gospel. It's, it's, uh, it's the earliest gospel. It's the first gospel that was written. The other gospels, except for John, had Mark in front of them. In fact, uh, we think Matthew lifted everything from Mark and put it in his own gospel and wrote stuff around it. So it's the earliest gospel. It's the earliest recording accounts of Jesus and his life. So the author cherry-picked things that he really wanted to take from the life of Jesus and make a story out of it. So that's Mark's gospel. When the gospel opens with Jesus beginning his ministry, and he he goes and he begins. He begins healing a lot of people, and everywhere he goes, people are flocking to him uh, to be healed, and he teaches in a synagogue, and, and the word of him is beginning to get out. And so he goes to the town after he's healed a lot of people. He goes to the town where Simon Peter lived. Now, he's called Simon. He's later to be called Peter. I'm going to call him Simon Peter. And he goes to the house of Simon Peter's mother-in-law. Now, let me just stop right there. Simon Peter's mother-in-law. What that means, think about this. This is kind of cool. Simon Peter was married. He had a wife. He had a mother-in-law. Did he have kids? You know, the Gospels don't talk about the families that that these disciples came from, but we know right now that Peter was married. He had a wife. He had a mother-in-law. He had a house. You know, I always ask the question, why don't we, what do we know about his wife? What do we know about his family background? What do we know about this for the other disciples? Were they married? Did they have kids? Did they leave all of that to follow Jesus? I mean, that's the very compelling story for me that is missing in the Gospels that I I wish the gospel writers had have written in. You know, maybe when uh, I write a gospel about Jesus, I'm going to talk about the family of uh, of these different disciples. So, anyways, the story goes that Jesus goes to Simon Peter's mother-in-law and and he heals her, and immediately the disciples begin setting up shop, if you will, at Simon Peter Simon Peter's mother-in-law and. And the word gets out that the healer is there, and people from all over the city come to the house for Jesus to heal them. And they're outside the front door, and Jesus is there, and and he begins healing people. And I, I, I love this image of Jesus healing people. I mean, can you imagine here in the metropolitan area of Denver or any city, that it got out that there was a magical healer around who was able to heal people of, of, uh, of all their diseases and infirmities. I mean, it would be a madhouse as people would bring 
everybody, people who were lame, people who had diseases, people who were uh, blind and deaf and mental illness and all different kinds of things that would be lined out wherever this healer was for the person to heal them and touch them. And I think that's what was going on here. All the city, people on pallets, people being carried on the back, people being carried between two people. I mean, it had to have been a madhouse of people. And I always wonder, what did that look like? We're like, were they all good Presbyterians lined up decently in order, one after the other? Or was it kind of a, a chaotic scene where the disciples were constantly trying to trying to get everybody organized and in line and, and to uh, and to behave themselves instead of just clamoring for attention. It had to have been kind of like a circus-like atmosphere, if you want. And there's Jesus in front of the house, touching, speaking, healing, and people, you know, crutches are dropping, and people are getting up and walking, and people who are blind and see get to see and those who are deaf get to hear and mental people with mental illness find a sense of peace and well-being i mean it had to have been a fantastic a fantastic experience to participate in you know and this goes on and on till the sun goes down and i imagine jesus gets tired and he they pull inside the house and the disciples are so excited i imagine them saying Wow, wasn't that great? Look what Jesus did. Look what we did. I cannot wait for tomorrow. And I imagine Jesus, I mean, I, I don't know if he is nonplussed. I don't know if he is calm. I don't know if he's a little excited himself, a little rush of adrenaline from the day. But anyways, I imagine they eat something, they go to bed. And then in the middle of the night, this is all Pooh Spencer. This is not in the gospel. I like to imagine Jesus got up. And he uh, went into the main room, and he opened up the curtains, and he looked out the window. And there, even more people have gathered together outside on the front area of the house. I mean, as far as he can see, there are hundreds, maybe a thousand people all lined up waiting for Jesus to heal them. And I like to think that maybe... Something happened in his gut, maybe some kind of sick feeling. And he, and he said to himself, oh, no, no, no. And he, he is so troubled that he, he slips out the back door and he goes up to a hillside behind the house and, and he sits and he prays and he meditates and he thinks. And something happens inside of himself where he asks the question, you know, what am I what am I supposed to be doing, God? Why am I here, God? And he wrestles with it. Am I here to heal? Or is there something else I'm, there it is, supposed to be doing? Well, the next morning, the sun rises. The disciples get up, and they're excited. They're excited for the next day to begin because they're ready to set up shop. I mean, they're excited to, get to bring Jesus out and start the show and get people healed today. But they can't find him. They don't know where he is. He's nowhere in the house. They look around the yard. He's not there. He's not out front healing people already. So where is he? Eventually, someone gets the idea to go up on the hillside behind the house, and they go up there, and there, there he is. They find him, and they ask him, Master, what are you doing up here? They say, everybody is searching for you. 
everybody is searching for you. I mean, he he's there. He's at his peak. He's at a pinnacle. His life is getting ready to turn on a dime. And, and what is he going to do? Is he going to go back and heal everybody? Or is he paying attention to what he's supposed to be doing? See, I think something happened that night in his conversation with God and his meditation is that he got in touch with what he is supposed to be doing. Because you know what he told the disciples? He said, no. Let us go on to other villages and towns where I may proclaim there. He says, for that is why I have come out. I love that. I love that. That is why I have come out. That is what God has sent me to do. That is what I'm supposed to be doing. Can you imagine the disciples? Imagine the disciples going, but but Jesus, the crowds, everybody is down there. People are dying to be healed. You got to go down and heal them. And he says, no. I'm not, I'm not going to. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to participate in that. Yeah, everybody deserves to be healed. Yes, you know, they want me to heal them. I understand their pain. I understand their frustration and sadness if I'm not going to go back. But you know what? That's not why I've come out. That's not why God has sent me. God has sent me to do something else, and I'm going to go do it. I'm going to go, and I'm going to proclaim the good news into other people's towns and other people's villages and other people's lives. I'll be doing a lot of healing in others in those places as well, but that's secondary. I am not primarily a healer. I am a speaker. I proclaim the good news. I am someone who preaches and teaches. That is what I'm here to do. Now, don't you just love that? I mean, there's something so profound about that that we should pay attention, you know, in our own lives. Think about this. What are you supposed to be doing? You know, here's a couple things that you can think about to discern what it is that you're supposed to be doing in life. You know, what you're supposed to be doing in life is not always the popular thing. Um, in fact, I guarantee you sometimes if you realize what you're supposed to be doing, you're going to be uh, making somebody angry. I mean, Jesus pissed off a whole crowd of people who were dying to be healed, waiting to be healed. He did not go down. Can you imagine the, stat- the status of that crowd, what they were thinking when they realized that he wasn't going to come down? The thousands, the throngs were waiting for him. I imagine they were really frustrated with him. But you know what? If you're supposed to be doing, if you discover what you're supposed to be doing, it's not always going to make you popular. But you have to pay attention to what you're supposed to be doing. You know, the other thing, what you're supposed to be doing, you know, it's not going to make you a lot of money. Jesus could have made bank if he went down and and started healing. I mean, they could have start charging fees for people to be to be healed. It didn't have to be a lot of money. It could just be a little bit of money. But everybody who came up, came up if they paid, excuse me, <coughs> it would have been a lot of money. Jesus, Dr. Jesus Healing Show. It could have been fantastic. But no, how much money is there in preaching and teaching? Let me tell you, not a lot. But that's what he was supposed to be doing. 
That's what he was supposed to be doing. You know, if you do what you're supposed to be doing, you're not going to make a lot of money. Some people do. Some people who are in engineering or computer programming, uh, high finance, and that's what you're supposed to be doing, you're lucky because you're going to make bank, you're going to make a lot of money. But if you're called to work, you know, as a counselor, as a therapist, as a pastor, as a teacher, as a professor, if you're supposed to be somebody who works for the social agencies of some kind, working with homeless, working with children, something like that, you know what? You're not going to be making a lot of money. In fact, you might just be dead broke. I love the... Uh, I love the the name of the book, Do What You Love and the Money Will Follow. I really believe that. But uh, it doesn't mean a lot of money will follow. I think sometimes you uh, can make just enough money to get by if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, doing what you love, the money will follow, but it, it won't be a lot. So pay attention. If you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, you're not going to be rich. You might. You may be. Yeah, you might, but more than likely you won't. If you don't know what you're supposed to be doing, it's going to be, be risky. You have to put yourself out there. You might have to pay the cost of some kind. Um, you know, you're going to be real popular, as I said. You know, Look what happened to Jesus when he started doing what he was supposed to do, when he was teaching and proclaiming. He, he was crucified. He was nailed to a tree. Uh, it, wasn't, um, it wasn't very popular. It wasn't an easy thing to do. It took a lot of risk, you know, because teaching and preaching is a subversive activity. Sometimes when you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, you're going to be getting under people's skin. You're going to be speaking truth to power. You're going to be facing some incredible odds. But you know what? You're going to be doing what you're supposed to be doing. And you know what? You'll feel connected to the divine. You'll feel connected to God. And that, I think, is what is so powerful when you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. You know, have you ever met somebody who's doing what they're supposed to be doing? Have you ever talked with them? You know, maybe it's a good friend of yours. Maybe it's a, a colleague that you work with. You know, if you talk with someone who is really tied into their purpose, you can talk with someone who is passionate about their work and their life. You're going to talk with someone who feels a great deal of, of uh, satisfaction with your life. And if they're a faith person, you're going to talk about someone who feels connected to the divine, connected to God, just like because Jesus knew that that's why he came out. Uh, you're going to find people who realize that is why they came out, that they are doing, that's the reason why they are here, it's the reason why they have been sent into the world. So, are you doing what you're supposed to be doing? Are you doing something else? Are you wasting time? Are you fiddling around? Are you suffocating? Are you somehow dying inside? And you know what? It's time to take stock and do what you're supposed to be doing. All right, that's my message for you today, the first episode of Cowboy Jesus. I hope you uh, enjoyed this episode. I hope it gave you something to think about. I'm also back writing Cowboy Jesus. You can find me on Steve's Cowboy Jesus at blogspot.com. Uh, you can also pick up both the podcast. The podcast is on Podbean and Spotify. You can also pick it up right here on Facebook. You can also find it on the Columbine United Church's uh, website. All right. 
Hope to see you on Sunday. If not, join me for the next episode of Cowboy Jesus. Take care and have a great day.